Hey, good morning. I cannot believe we're at the end of this series because I've been looking forward to it for months and today it's over. But as I said, I'm going to bring back part two next year. Um, but we're going to end in a really cool place today. It, it, it could be that you're going to say, Mark, this is my first time to be here and you're five weeks into this series and I didn't get to hear the other four. It's all right because today we're going to have a talk that pretty well encompasses everything that we've talked about up to this point. But on the other hand, if you've been here all four weeks, you're going to love today's talk because it just makes it all fit together. This whole series, even though it's called Bless You and it's about blessing, it is by definition about your future. For instance, if, if God is going to bless you, it has nothing to do with your past. Now, we can look back into our past and be thankful that God has blessed us, but it's too late to change the past. One of my, one of my best friends here at New Spring was a trial lawyer for many years and tried cases at the highest level. And he told me that one of the first things he learned as an attorney is that facts are stubborn things. And indeed, they are stubborn things. There's only two things to do with your past. Number one, learn from it. Because you can learn from your mistakes, and you can learn from your successes. Learn from your past, and then secondly, leave it. I mean, a lot of us have stuff in our past that's painful that people did to us, or a lot of the bad things that you and I have done. But you can't change those things. You have to leave them and move on, and more importantly, leave them with Jesus. Because the one who died on the cross paid for your past and your future on the cross. And because of his wonderful act of grace and his gift of eternal life, you and I can leave our past in the, in the past. Isn't that great? We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to sort it out. We don't have to say, what am I going to pay for it? Because in the words of that great old song that we used to sing, those of us who grew up in church, Jesus paid it all. Great line. But it's, this series has been about futures because we want to know how can we have God's blessing? One of the first things I taught you in this series is that if God blesses you, in practical terms, what he is doing, he is making a prophecy. God's word always comes true. He is making an unbreakable prophecy about your future. If God blesses you today, what he is doing, he is giving you a good future. Don't you want that? I do. That's what got me ginned up for this series. Now, here's the thing. You know and I know that in the Bible, God's word there are promises for us, and I love finding one of those promises. For instance, I love Philippians 4.19. That was when I prayed with Lance before he, he drove off this week. I, I, I claimed over him, Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So I love those promises, you know. I will never leave you nor forsake you from the book of Hebrews. But what if you were to find an unbreakable promise in God's word, hang with me for a moment, that said... Anything you touch will prosper. Or if you're a business person, any endeavor that you undertake, you will experience profit. Any. Wouldn't that be huge? I got to tell you, if I could find something in the Bible where God said, Mark, anything you touch will be profit or will prosper. Well, could I just real quickly define terms? Um, before I go any further, because a lot of us, when we think about anything we touch working, we have sort of a Aladdin and the genie kind of idea that if God blesses us, all we have to do is rub the lamp and all of a sudden everybody's going to like us. We're going to have plenty of money. We're never going to have down days. Our marriage is always going to be perfect. And our parents are just going to tell us we can do anything we want to do. 
and everything is going to, you know, that's not the blessed life. Think about the word profit for a moment. Profit means you have outgo and you have income, but your income exceeds your outgo. That's what profit is by definition. So that would be the promise. If we could find a promise in the Bible where God would say, you're going to have, you're going to spend, you're going to lose, but you're going to gain and you're going to receive. And God's promise is no matter what you spend or lose, you're always going to have more at the end in anything you touch. Wouldn't it be cool if we could find a promise from God that said, whatever you do is going to prosper. Well, you, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you there. It's in the Bible. It is in a chapter with only six verses. And I got to tell you, growing up, and, and I had the privilege in, in, in many ways of growing up in church, this chapter really got me as a kid. It's so much that when I was 13 years old, I memorized it. And, and I want to encourage you to do this. Six verses. I mean, this is like the substance of blessing in six verses. If there ever was a chapter for you to memorize, I'd recommend that you memorize this short chapter. Uh, man, we're going to see when we unpack it. I mean, it's like eating lobster. It's just full of great stuff, okay? And I'm not going to quote it for you because I memorized it in a very old translation. I'm going to read it to you in a newer translation. I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to unpack it word, word, word for word. So really, this is, this is going to be more of a workshop than it is a sermon. But let me read this thing about blessing, and then we'll get to that promise in just a moment where God says, anything you do, you can have more coming in than you have going out. Okay, here we go. Psalm 1, blessed is the man. And that's a general neutral term, really. It could just mean blessed is the woman, blessed is the teen, blessed is the kid. It's blessed is the person. Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. That person, God says, is blessed. But his, her delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither. And I have it in red in my notes. Whatever he does prospers. Isn't that cool? Whatever she does prospers. Now, what does God mean when he means whatever? Let me give you the Hebrew translation. It means whatever. <laughs> it means anything. That means anything that you do in God's will, you can have more coming in than you have going out. I love that promise. And then I want to give you verse 6. It's the last verse of the chapter. It says, for the Lord watches over the way, that means the life of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, okay, let's unpack that because I want us to get it almost word for word. There's so much in this little chapter, we just really need to take our time and develop. Almost always God is positive, but on this particular occasion, God has chosen to go negative on us a little bit. Because before he tells us what the person does who is blessed, God is going to tell us what the blessed person doesn't do. It's, it's God's way of saying, Mark, there's some stuff you could let creep into your life, and it would keep you from being blessed. Instantly, I want to know, because I don't want to do those things. Now, one of the things you're going to see, what we've seen, is that God uses like physical action or physical posture to give us some sort of idea about living. For instance, he's going to say, blessed is the person who does not walk in the advice of people that don't listen to God. Then he's going to say, blessed is the person who doesn't stand, you know, in the lifestyle of things that God has judged morally wrong. And then he's going to say, blessed is the person who doesn't sit in the seat. So we're going to talk about walking, standing, sitting. You know, of course, God's not interested in your posture, your physical posture. He's interested in something else. 
When God says walk there, it's interesting that throughout the Bible, oftentimes our life is compared to a walk. Not a sprint, but a walk. Because our, our life comes to us hour by hour, day by day. And isn't it true that hour by hour and day by day, we are making choices. We are making decisions. And on a day by day basis, we make our choices and our decisions with influence. None of us lives in a vacuum. You know, we, we can say, oh, nobody influences me. I make my own decisions. You know, but really, the truth of the matter is, when we start unpacking the choices that we make, we've been influenced. We've been influenced by television. We've been influenced by the media. We've been influenced by, you know, pop culture. We've been influenced by our friends. We've been influenced by our parents. Hopefully, we're influenced by God. But in other words, there's influence coming in. Now, here's what God is saying. Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel. Now, what does counsel mean? Advice? Basically, counsel means influence regarding your future. In other words, this is input that you're getting from people about your future. Blessed is the person who does not listen to the counsel of the ungodly. What is ungodly? Exactly what it means. You've got godly, that would be like in sync with God and in respect of God. And ungodly would be out of sync with God and no respect for God. God is saying, Mark, if you want to be blessed... What you can't do is day by day make your choices, listening to influence from people that don't care about God. I don't want to get on a soapbox here today, but really, when you think about the media and the culture at large, isn't it true that we get bombarded with a lot of messages from people who really have no time for God, no interest in God? In fact, it seems to me God is being more and more pushed out of the public life. And, and I don't you know, I don't want to get on a soapbox about that. It is what it is. But all I'm saying is God is saying, Mark, you got to be careful because every day you're making choices and you're getting influence. And God is saying, Mark, I want to bless you, but I can't bless you if you're making choices, listening to the wrong kind of influence. Now, when God moves now into second gear and he starts talking about standing in the way of sinners, there's a difference between walking and standing. Walking means I'm making choices. Standing means I've decided this is what I'm like. I've talked to people about anger issues, and they said, Mark, I'm just an angry person. My dad was angry. My granddad was angry. It's just the way I am. And my first word is, I want to say change before you screw your life up. But, I mean, it's like they just like bow their neck and say, it's just who I am. Now, most people don't articulate that. But the fact of the matter is, we have habits in our lives, right? A habit means I'm standing here. A habit means I do this all the time. For instance, I mean, I'm not trying to rip anybody, but somebody's here, a guy is in internet porn, maybe a gal in internet porn, and it's a habit now, and you're standing there. I mean, it wasn't that you just happened to make a decision to click on. I mean, you're standing there. It's part of your life. Others of us, we have a habit of looking at life in self-pity. We're always the victim, and it's where we always are. All of us feel like a victim sometimes, but there's some of us, it is a, it's where we stand. It's where we live our lives. We've cho- it's an attitude that is crystallized. I stand here. Sometimes people are, are envious. You know, you know, a lot of times rich people get accused of, of being all about money, and sometimes that's the case. But, you know, sometimes there are poor people who are all about money, and they just are envious of anybody who has anything they don't have, and they chose to stand there. All of us know what it's like to visit bad places, But it's something else for an attitude to crystallize so much that we actually develop a habit, and it begins to determine who we are. 
Now, when God talks about standing in the lifestyle of sinners, the word sinner there means people who do things that God has judged morally wrong. Now, the moment I hear that, I get a little queasy because my first instinct is I'm not supposed to judge anybody, and that is true. You and I are not to judge. In fact, when we get to the third gear, we're going to see that God has not anointed us to be judges. So we're not to judge any person. But by the same token, there are things that people do that God has already judged morally wrong. Let me give you an example. I had a friend who cheated on his wife. And, and, and I was called in to help him. Am I to judge my friend? No, that's God's job, right? God will judge him. I don't judge him. I don't know what I would do if I'd been in his circumstances. I'm not God, so I'm going to leave judging him to God. So I do not judge him. But by the same token, I can't say, well, I'm not going to say that cheating on your wife is wrong because who am I to judge? Well, it would be right. Who am I to judge? God has already judged that adultery is wrong. I know that already. I'm not judging. God has already handed down the judgment. And so here's what God is saying to me. God is saying, Mark, if you want to be blessed, I'm not asking you to judge what's the person But if there are people that have these long-standing habits that I've already judged morally wrong, God is saying, man, Mark, you can't let that creep into your life. What's the lesson I take away from my friend cheating on his wife? I love him. I'm praying for him. I care about him. I want God to restore him. But I'm saying, I don't want that in my life. Do you ever feel that way? You have a, maybe you have a friend or somebody that's got a pattern, a habit in their lives that's just, you know, you know God has judged it wrong, and you love your friend, but you're saying, I can't have that in my life. See, if we allow longstanding habits of sin in our life, they will deflect God's blessing. Okay, gear one, blesses a person that does not walk, make daily choices, listing the wrong kind of influence. Number two, blesses the person who does not stand, become intransigent in habits that God has already judged morally indefensible. And thirdly, God said, blesses a person who does not sit. Now, sit there means to sit as a judge sits in the seat. That means the judge's bench of the scornful or mocking or sarcastic. Hey, is it just me or is our world getting more sarcastic? I think it may have something to do with the internet and the anonymity that's associated with that because it's almost like, you know, people are like congratulated by their ability to rip other people. And I know that you wouldn't believe this because a lot of you think I wear a halo, but can I tell you I struggle with this one? Because sometimes I look at the world and it just seems awfully stupid to me at times. That's one thing. My problem is I want to talk about it. And before I realize it, I can just, I can be so sarcastic. And and God is talking to me. I don't mean verbally, I'm talking about in the Bible. God is talking to me about this one. Because see, here's the thing. I think I have a right because a lot of times I'm responding to something I think is legitimately stupid. And and I just want to let everybody know how I feel about it. And what God is saying, you know what, Mark? You could be deflecting blessing from your life because you got a smart mouth. And I know y'all don't know anything about that. Just take that as a personal confession, all right? You know, it, 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 there's some of us that don't even think about that. 
I mean, we wouldn't get caught in number one and number two. I mean, yeah, we get that. Don't make your decisions. Listen to the wrong kind of advice. Yeah, I mean, after all, I don't want to develop habits in my life, things that God's already judged morally indefensible. But then we rip our husbands, we rip our wives, we say things to our kids like you're never going to be a success. I mean, we just use our tongue like a machine gun. And God is saying, I didn't call you to be a judge. Well, I better leave that because it's getting quiet here. We've seen what the blessed person doesn't do. Now go to verse 3 and look at what he does do. Oh, excuse me, verse 2. Verse 2 says, his delight, her delight, is in the law of God. Now, if you've been here the last four weeks, you're going to say, okay, Mark, I've heard this and I've heard this and I've heard this. And you're exactly right. But the reason you've heard this and heard this and heard this is because it's in the Bible, it's in the Bible, it's in the Bible. It is the most compelling truth I saw when I started studying blessing. Remember, this whole series, I decided not to go with what I knew. I wanted to just read the Bible like I'd never seen it before. This is the one truth that I caught all the way from the beginning to the end of the Bible. It's this. Remember, if I embrace God's authority over my life, I get to enjoy his authority over the warehouse of blessings. So where am I going to learn God's commands? I'm going to go to the Bible. And, and so here's what it says. The, the person who is blessed is constantly searching God's commands. He, she loves God's commands. They can't even go to sleep at night because they realize, you know, they, they just scan the Bible. And, and you've got to be really old, I guess, to know this name. But back in the early part of the 20th century, there was a com comedic actor Named W.C. Fields. Most of you have never heard the name before. But um, W.C. Fields lived a really rough life. And at the end of his life, he, he, he wasn't too far away from dying, and someone came in and found W.C. reading a Bible. And that was such a strange thing to see. Somebody said, W.C., why are you reading the Bible? What do you, what do you, got, what are you reading the Bible for? And he said, I'm not going to try to imitate him. He said, looking for loopholes. <laughs> What are you looking for when you read the Bible? The blessed person is like trying to find commands. You know, it says his delight is in the law of God. Most of the time, we don't think about the law of God. I mean, honest to goodness, folks, when I get out on K96, I don't look at the speed limit sign and say, oh, I delight in the law. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there singing, I can't drive 55. I mean, so I, I got to be honest. But why do we delight in God's law? And by the way, the laws of the land are good for us too. Let me just say that for all of you who are teenage drivers, okay? <laughs> and older drivers. God's laws are filled with delight because we understand every time we see a command of God, A, it's for our good, and B, every law of God is an incentive for blessing. I mean, we've seen that for the last four weeks. Every time we obey God in a particular area, we're blessed in that area. If we obey God in the area of giving, we're blessed in the area of finances. We obey God in the way we treat people, then we're blessed in the way people treat us. If we obey God in the area of sex, we're blessed in the area of sex. We obey God in the area of marriage, we're blessed in the area of marriage. So any place you find a command of God, that is an incentive to obey God. And God is saying the blessed person is all over that. Wow, I love that. I want to end the series here. You know, I, I thought for a long time about what God was teaching me about blessing, and, and I was really 
curious about where I was going to end the series. And by the way, you do know I'm going to come back next year and we're going to do this again. But for today, for these five weeks, I want to end the series here. We know what a blessed person doesn't do. We know what a blessed person does. What would a blessed life look like? I mean, you and me. Oh, this is great. If you and I fully sold out for this, and, and God would do for you and me, I don't mean for the church in general, I don't mean for all Christians everywhere, I'm talking about you and I'm talking about me. What would your life and my life look like if we really experienced all of God's blessing? Look at verse 3, okay? He, she, is like a tree. Now, thankfully, it doesn't say we are a tree. It just says we're like a tree, okay? Keep that in mind because we're going to unpack this almost word for word. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water. Some of you have a translation that says the rivers of water. Same thing. Which yields its fruit. That means it's productive. In season. Whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he, she does prospers. Now think for a moment. What would your life and my life be like if we fully enjoyed God's blessing? Well, we know. God says you're going to be like a tree planted by the river. What does that mean? Honestly, I, I was trying to sort through all, and I came up with some ideas, and I was I'm going to do my best to kind of tell you what I thought it meant. And then all of a sudden, I discovered that Jeremiah the prophet had already explained it for us. Isn't it great? You don't have to listen to Mark. You can listen to Jeremiah in the Bible. So much better. Because Jeremiah picked up this very same expression about a tree planted by the water, and the Holy Spirit let Jeremiah unpack it for us. And what I read when I saw that, oh, I love my job. For the next two minutes, what I'm going to share with you is game-changing. You ready for this? Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 17, 8, he'll be like a tree planted by the water. You've seen that already. Sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought. A lot of us have got the idea that a blessed life means you're never going to have any problems. Could I just tell you, you can be in a blessed life and the heat's going to be on sometimes. You could, have the, you, you could be totally blessed of God. You could be obedient to God, love God with all your heart. All this stuff that I'm talking about from the Bible, you could say, yes, I want it. And, and still, could I just tell you, there's going to be a time in your life when the heat's going to be on. Because the heat's going to be on all of us. I think the heat there, just to put that in practical terms, we're talking about pressure, right? We're talking about problems. You're going to have a day, it's going to be filled with problems. And you're going to say, am I really blessed? Because the heat is on. And then the second thing, it talks about drought. What's drought? Well, drought's when you're expecting something to happen and it doesn't happen. I'm talking to some of you, you, you're a God follower and you have a sense that God wants something to be in your life and you prayed for it and you've asked God for it, it just didn't happen. You're, you're like that farmer who goes out in the middle of a drought and looks up at the sky waiting for a cloud. He goes out in the morning, there's not a cloud in the sky. Or what's really tough, I got to tell you what's really, and I've never been a farmer, 
I grew, up, I grew up a city boy, but I've talked to enough farmers in Texas and here to know that probably the hardest thing is in the middle of a drought is if you see rain somewhere else and it just, you know, it's there, but it's not over your farm. It's really tough, isn't it? I mean, I know you love everybody and you want everybody to be blessed, but isn't it tough when you're expecting God to do something in your life and somebody else gets that answer and you don't get that answer? It's really tough. That's a season of drought. Interesting. You know, the heat can be on in one day. A season of drought is a protracted period of time where you're waiting for God to do something and nothing's happening. Okay, what did we learn? We saw that the the blessed person is like a tree planted by the water. and, And it says, it doesn't fear when the heat is on. And it doesn't worry in the season of drought. Why? Because the tree planted by the water isn't waiting for the river to condense up into a cloud and come down as rain. It's not worried because its roots roots are going down into the source. Whether it rains or not, it's still got moisture. If there's a drought, it doesn't matter. There's still moisture. It's planted by the river. And God is saying the blessed person is just not dependent on circumstances. If you're a blessed person, everybody else may be dependent on rain and looking at the sky for clouds, but you're not worried about that because you're, you're planted by the source. God is in your life. You're not drawing your, your future from the rain that falls from the sky. You're drawing your sustenance from the river that you're planted next to. One of the most fun things I've had during this series is the emails from so many of you who've written about how God has done extraordinary things in your life, even though we're in the worst economy. Some of you have talked about how that God put your marriage back together. I got a tremendous, tremendous message, really blessed me from someone who said, most people in our circumstances, the the chance of our marriage making it is almost nil, but God has done it and restored our marriage. And, and, And this person who wrote me talked about Mount Hermon and how that God brought a blessing in their life, even though it's not common for people to be blessed that way. See, when you're planted by the river, that's how your life works. You don't have to look up at the sky for clouds. You don't have to look at the economy. You don't have to look at Washington, D.C., thank God, and wait for them to get their act together because you're planted by the river. (laughs) This and I'm through. I was on my way to campus for the 5 o'clock service last night, and and guys, you got to know, before I talk, before I do one of these talks, I'm like mentally trying to get it all through my head. And so in my mind, I was scrolling through this chapter. And I was trying to make sure that I covered every word because I really do want you to know what God is saying here. You're not at all interested in what I say. What difference does it make what I say? You want to hear from God. So in my mind, I was going through this chapter. And I thought, there's one word I really haven't worked on, but I bet it doesn't matter. It's the word planted. Well, shoot, what difference does that make? Tree planted by the river? We're just going to assume that it just means tree just happens to be by the river. <laughs> but just in case, when I got to my office, I fired up my computer and I, and I read it in Hebrew. And when I read it, I thought, oh, I can't leave that out. Because it's not the normal word for planted. It's the word for transplanted. In other words, this tree didn't used to be there. Maybe this tree that doesn't worry about the drought, doesn't fear when the heat's on. Maybe there was a time when the tree did worry about the drought and did fear when the heat was on because the tree wasn't planted by the river. It may have been planted in a desert place. But there was a day when loving hands came and dug up the tree from its old location and moved its tree to a new location over by the river. 
Guys, my prayer for you and me at New Spring is that we would so get a hold of this, that we would say, I I don't want to live my life. I want to be careful who I listen to. I'm going to bring some good influences in my life. I'm going to bring some people in my life that I know will tell me what I don't want to hear. I want some people who tell me the truth, and I'm not going to make my choices listening to people who don't have God in their lives. And I'm not going to crystallize and bow my neck and say, this is how I am no matter what. And, and I'm not going to use my tongue like an Uzi on other people. I'm going to look in the Bible and see what God has to say, and I'm going to see every command as an opportunity. And when you do that, God comes along with his heavenly shovel and picks you up and picks me up and takes us from our location in a desert place and moves us over beside the river where everything we touch, prospers. More to come next year. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you've taught us. Help me, help every one of us here to feel this vision. Transplant us, Lord, by the stream of your blessing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Could you pray with me one more moment? You know, when I think about transplanting, the greatest transplant of all is when God moves you into his family. And the Bible tells us this, that what God wants with you is he's not after you joining a church. He's not even after you turning over a new leaf. What God wants from you is for you to be his son or his daughter. And he loves you so much, as I said earlier in the sermon, that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your past, actually to pay for all the sins of your life. You can't pay for them because for you to pay for them, you'd have to spend an eternity in hell. Wow, that's not what God wanted. God God wanted you in heaven so much that he punished his son. He punished his only son for your sins and my sins. And all he's looking for from you and me is a willingness to accept his gift gift of eternal life and forgiveness and all you have to do is ask that's all you have to do to receive a gift what God wants you to do is to believe that Jesus died for you and to believe that he arose from the grave and for you to commit your life to him I know it's been a quick moment but if you're ready to make that decision you don't have to know a whole lot to make it I mean there's a whole lot of time for you to learn about God but what you do need to know is that he loves you and he wants you to be his child And if you're ready to make that decision in your life, I'm going to do something right now. I'm going to pray a prayer. These aren't magic words, but they're words that just call out to God. And if you'd like to invite Jesus into your life, you can repeat this prayer with me. I'll say it slowly because the words aren't important. It's what you mean in your heart that matters. All right? You ready? Here we go. Dear God, I know I've sinned, and I can't pay for it. But I believe Jesus paid for my sins for me. And I believe he arose from the grave. I don't understand everything. But I'm asking you to be my savior. And to forgive me. And adopt me into your family. Thank you for doing that right now. In Jesus name. Amen.